Welcome back to another episode of the Profitable Audience Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about progress. Specifically, if you feel like you're working hard or hustling hard, but you're not seeing results with your business, I think today's episode is going to be valuable for you. I totally agree. And this, I got this idea because one of our good friends, Grayson Bell, who I don't, do you know the name of his company? We should give him a shout out. I actually don't, I actually don't even know what the name of his company is. I know. I just know him as Grayson, <laughs> the, Grayson the Fixer. I don't um, think he has a company. Maybe it's just, he's just a freelance. Uh, he had, no, he has a company. Oh, he's um, a company. Okay. Yeah. Cause I've, I've paid him and I've paid like a company name. I just can't think of that name. iMark, iMark Interactive. That's what it is. Okay. It took me a second. Um, so he actually, he's a good friend of both of ours and he's been, he started as a blogger and then quickly realized that he had a lot of really important tech skills that most, you know, creators and website owners don't have. You're, you're an anomaly in that where you do most of your work yourself, but, uh, and Grayson's kind of like you in that way, but he realized pretty quickly that he was much happier fixing things in WordPress than writing in WordPress. And so, I think he, I don't know how long, I don't know his whole business story, but, you know, he transitioned into basically running this company where he, you know, provides service for WordPress sites and grew it to be an exceptionally successful business pretty quickly. Yeah. And yeah. he put a, a post up on Facebook yesterday that, you know, he had all these, it's his six, it's his sixth business anniversary, I guess, six year business anniversary. And that last year was one of the worst years of his life because he set these ridiculous business goals he tried to grow, you know, to, to some level that was ended up being very detrimental. And this is his, his words, not mine, but to his health, to his personal relationships, to his family, uh, basically everything but the business. And so he basically talked about, um, you know, we're not really made for the grind or the hustle. And that a lot of people don't think about that because so many people out there today, especially in this online space, teach the grind and the hustle like there's podcasts called like the hustle or whatever you know um i mean that's like the, well, the prevailing mentality except for gary for gary v has been perpetuating this yes uh, maybe he's not like this in real life but uh, you know there's quotes of him saying hey you know when the going gets tough just work harder or something like yes. i can't remember some <laughs> some quote like work that. more stay up later <laughs> uh, that's like so anti me like and i went through the same thing as grayson setting these artificial goals yes and then like busting your butt for them and then you hit them and then you celebrate for a day and then you move on to yes. set the goals even farther and you can never be happy this way. Yeah. You you taught me this actually. Oh, did I? <laughs> yes, you're like I don't understand these artificial goals. And I'm like they're not artificial and then I realized they were. But here's what I think I just want to set up the set this out from the beginning because you and I know a lot of very successful entrepreneurs. And you and I know a lot of people who work a lot of hours every week. But I think the difference is, like the person that comes to mind to me is Tiffany Ivanovsky, who has built an exceptionally successful clothing company. Um, and she works 50 plus hours a week, probably 60 hours a week. But the thing is, like this is what Tiffany, Tiffany loves to get on video and sell clothing. Like it's, it's a high for her. It's what she loves. Like if you asked her what she'd like to do for her free time, she would say get on live and sell clothes. Um... And so for her, I think a lot of days, now there's a lot of parts of that business she does not like to do, right? There's a lot of things that she hates. And so she's hired those things out. But there are people out there that absolutely love every bit of what they're doing. So it doesn't feel like a grinder hustle and they are able to like maintain a balance. But I think 
most people are not, they're not doing the things that they absolutely adore and love. They're Let stuck me ask in this. you this. Okay. If Tiffany like 10X'd her sales goal, do you think she'd mm-hmm. still be loving it? Probably, because she just, she loves the sale. Right, but she'd have to be on live 24 hours a day in order to hit that 10X sales goal, and she wouldn't be liking it anymore. No, but I think the thing is, like, she doesn't mind being live, but what she doesn't want to do is go figure out inventory or go pack orders or, you know, there's like lots of part of that, lots of that business that she does not like to do. I guess my point is, is she goes live on her own volition right now. Yes. She's not forced to do it. No. Whereas if she had this ridiculous goal, then she would be forced to go live. And then whenever you're forced to do something, it's no longer fun. Right, because then you end up, and you and I, I think, probably me more than you have been in this situation. Like, I don't know if you, I think you remember this. It was like my second year in e-commerce, and I got like a horrible sinus infection. Do you remember this? Vaguely. Actually, you're rarely sick, so. I know, but like, I feel like I always get sick this time of year, actually, now that I think about it, because I'm like fighting a cold right now. Um, I remember I had a sinus infection. I took a Sudafed. I went to like a minute clinic. And my heart rate was so crazy that they sent me to the ER. They thought I was having a heart attack and they admitted me to the cardiac ward because the Sudafed like just totally messed with my blood pressure. I don't remember this, but go on. So I was in the hospital for like three days right after Black Friday. It was like the first week of December. And I like that was when I was like really focused on building the e-commerce business and, you know, especially the side of it that wasn't Amazon based. So like I was doing all the shipping. So I literally made my ex-husband bring me my printer, my label printer and my laptop. And I was printing orders and like working from the cardiac intensive care unit. Um, That's nuts. I don't remember this, but that's crazy. Well, because I think I didn't tell anybody because I knew everyone would be like, you know, like, absolutely not. You, you're you literally in there for like, they think you're having a heart attack and you're in there working 12 hours a day. Um, meanwhile, I'm like, can someone just bring me some more Sudafed? I can't breathe. Uh, but I think back to like incidents like that for me where that was that was an unhealthy hustle, right? I should have been because I had set artificial goals, right? So it had had if I didn't have those goals or if I hadn't had that mindset, I wouldn't have been thrilled to be in the cardiac intensive care unit, but I wouldn't have literally like demanded my laptop and printer (laughs) so that I could work. Yeah. So that's unhealthy. You know, what's funny is I talk to people and they show me their calendars and they're like proud of having the calendar full. Yeah. I want my calendar completely empty. Like I want nothing to do in the afternoon. That's like the joy in my life. So I can do whatever I want. Uh, there's this quote that I, I really detest. It's, it's uh, entrepreneurs are willing to work 80 hours a week to avoid working 40. For someone else, right? Yeah, for, that, yeah, for yes. someone else. Yeah. Yes. And I, I just hate that quote because you should be trying to work less. Yes. Well, I think you're, you're, <laughs> you're a bit of an anomaly in all of this. Um, I don't work 80 hours a week, that's for sure. My calendar is far busier than yours. Um, but I also have a lot of other responsibilities that you don't have that that's true. mess up my work schedule. And I think that's, so for me, the beauty of being an entrepreneur, and I was talking to someone about this the other day, about how I felt like, I mean, I'm sure, like I said, if I had to get a nine to five job to support my family, I would 100%, you, I would be waitressing at Chili's, right? If, if that was what it took. Like I have no qualms about doing whatever it takes to feed my kids. But the reason why I like the entrepreneur life is because, you know, if 
I want to take my kids to Turks and Caicos and pull them out of school on a Thursday, then I can do that because I can work the Sunday before if I need to, right? And get my stuff done. Right. And so that, or if, you know, I want to go, you know, my, my girls cheerlead. And so sometimes we have competitions that are far away. So if we want to stay an extra night, you know, and come home on a Monday or leave on a Friday, like I'm not tied to like having to ask a boss to take time off or anything like that. I can just rearrange my schedule to where I can be flexible with my kids. And since I'm basically the sole caretaker for them, like that's really important for me to be able to be there for all their activities. And so does that mean I end up working a lot of Sundays or Saturdays? Sure, sometimes. But it also means that I'm able to be super flexible during the week when I need to be. And that's that's for me the biggest priority. And kind of the same thing for you. Like you wanted to work for yourself because you wanted to be able to focus on your family. I mean, here's here's what I've learned about hustling in general. And it all actually dates back to junior high school. Uh-oh. Uh, we, <laughs> Was this had, nerd camp again? No, no, it's not nerd camp. This is actually on the track, okay? We had to run the mile. And I was race, I was uh, against like these group of kids who were my friends. And what I did is I took off right out of the gates. Mm-hmm. And I sprinted that first 400 meters. And I was like way ahead. I was way ahead. But then I like pooped out on like the fourth lap. And then I actually ended up ca- coming in last. Okay. And I, I went up to my friend, he, and he, he, was, uh, he came up to me, and he said, hey, why the heck did you sprint? There's no way that you can maintain the full mile at that pace. And I said, well, I figured I could get ahead enough of you, so even if I pooped out, I'd still win. And he's like, well, that's not how it works. Let's, let's try this again, like, next week. And I just went at the same pace for four laps, and I ended up doing much better than my first time. This is how I feel about hustling and business in general. Just pick a pace that you can maintain forever, yeah, and then you, and then you stick to it. Whereas if you, if you hustle, I mean, no one can sustain eighty-hour weeks, no, for an extended period. You're going to poop out, and then you're not going to want to do anything anymore for a long time. Well, and I think the other problem is that, like, when I was in the hospital fulfilling orders, <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> that just sounds so ridiculous. It okay. does. It, like looking back, clearly I was insane. But I think part of that was because I had already the business was already going, and so to me, yes, that was a horrible idea. But I was seeing direct results. But a lot of people start with that eighty hour a week from day one, and they're just like putting in the grind every single day, seven days a week, and it takes a while to see results. When you're building a business, no matter what kind of business you're building, very few people, I mean, yes, there's always examples of someone like, I started on Instagram and now I have a million followers and blah, blah, blah. That's not normal. And so yeah. when you're doing 80 hours a week and you're not seeing a lot of success, it's not sustainable because it's like, why am I getting up every day and killing myself for nothing? You've heard my ice cube analogy before, right? Yes, but you can do it again. Yeah. I don't think you've done it on this. I don't think I've done it on the podcast. Well, pretend like success in business is melting an ice cube. And let's say the temperature is like way below zero when you first start. And all of your efforts are just trying to raise the temperature. Well, when the temperature is below zero, the ice cube's just not melting, even though that you're frantically working to raise the temperature of the room for the ice cube to melt. And so you just got to keep at it and... You know, once you reach a certain point, you know, once you pass that freezing point, the ice cube's going to melt faster and faster and faster. But that point might be well off in the future. So if you hustle really hard in the beginning and you kind of poop out, then the temperature is never going to hit the freezing point. 
Whereas if you yeah. go slow and steady at a pace that you can just maintain for a long time, eventually you'll get there. And once you start seeing results, which you did when you were on the hospital bed, yes. then, you know, things will just move quickly. Yeah. Well, and I think, yeah, I think that's the problem is that if you're not doing something at a pace that you can maintain, then the potential to get discouraged or depressed or burnt out is really, really high. Uh, especially if, here's the other thing you see, is that, especially in this online space, if you're hustling and working a million hours a week and doing all these things, and you're influenced by all these people on YouTube or webinars, things like that, talking about, you know, they're literally giving the webinar from the beach, right? Then it's even more discouraging, because you're, first of all, you're comparing your beginning with their, like, middle to end. But also, you're thinking, I'm never going to get there, and I can't sustain can't sustain this pace. Here's a, I want to give a shout out to JD, who actually used a really good analogy for this also. All the work that you put in pays for lottery tickets in life. Yes, I like this analogy. And so the harder you work, the more lottery tickets you amass, but it's still, you know, luck still plays a factor. So you're increasing your chances of success, but it's not guaranteed. So, you know, just because you're hustling really hard doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to do it. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to succeed. But if you keep up with it long enough, eventually those lottery tickets will, will pay off. Of course, it's not an endorsement of playing the lottery. That's, That's correct. Yeah, it's definitely not. An, even yeah. though my wife plays the lottery, it drives yeah. me nuts, actually. <laughs> it's an Asian thing, I think. Is it? I, I think mean, so. She buys a lottery ticket and then she pontificates... Like, if we won, what would we do with the money? I was like, I don't want to yes, play this Yes, because you're game. so broke now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, I don't want to play this game. Like, <laughs> um, So the other thing that I think is important to remember, and this is something that you're really good at and I am not good at at all, but I'm trying to be better. And I think one of the reasons why you like your afternoons to be free is that when you are head down 80 hours a week, you have zero time to think about your business. You have zero headspace. You have zero time for networking, relationships, extracurricular activities. And so I know for me, some of my best ideas have come when I'm on a run, when I'm hanging out with people. Sometimes when I'm hanging out with people that don't have any idea what I do, right? But they say something that triggers an idea for me um, when I'm interacting with people in my space. And when you're just like nose to the grindstone, you don't make space for any of that in your life. Right. It's actually... I, I try to actually consume some content, uh, you know, every week also because at least in the content creation game, you have to get ideas. And oftentimes if you're just creating content the whole time or just have your head down, you know, you don't really have an open mind to what's going on in the world also. Well, and I think your free afternoons, and I think Darren Rouse does this too. He talks about, he talked about this in one of his talks one time of like giving, he has, gives himself like one morning a week where he doesn't do it. He has like, literally he will never schedule anything. I don't know if he still does this, but he used to. And basically that's his time to think about stuff for the business. And I think that's your time where you can get some perspective, identify holes in your business, identify places that you can improve, or even just not think about it at all. Right. And just clear your mind. Uh, Cause it's, it's really hard to come up with new ideas when you're in the middle of everything. I know for me too, like I can't work longer than like five hours straight and still maintain okay. a good level of productivity. It's actually always been this way. Um, I got I got like four or five good hours in the morning and then the afternoon I'm just not at 100% usually. So the is point that is- you were is at that, the office? <laughs> oh, at the office. Uh, yeah, like what? <laughs> all right, well, so in the beginning, 
like when I wasn't like a director, like I actually was more productive. Yeah. Once you get higher up, your whole job is talking to people, and that's never yeah. productive. No. So, what was my point in that? Oh, the point was like if you're if you're working like ten hour days, <laughs> that's actually not an efficient use of your time. You should just work when you're the most productive, ideally, yeah. and then just focus all your efforts on that. I, I, you always make fun of this, but when I work, yes, I turn off all the lights except for one tiny light that's like focused on whatever I'm doing, whether that be the keyboard or a book. And then I put on my headphones and I just crank. That's why you wear contacts and not me because you're working in the dark. Uh, No, I agree with you on that. Uh, One thing that we've talked about this in a couple other podcasts, I am definitely productive in the morning. Like I'm a morning person. And so the afternoons for me are, I'm just, I'm not focused and I don't want to be working at like, cause it used to be, cause you're West coast and I'm East coast. So sometimes you would message me at like seven o'clock at night cause you're still doing something. And I'm like, I've already eaten dinner and you're like, Oh, can you check X, Y, Z? And I'm like, no, it's seven o'clock. Like I'm not getting on my computer. But what I've realized for me is that sometimes I just have stuff I have to get done. And so if I have to work, like when I'm not productive, like I try to do these, like I take like a 10 minute break and just do like anything, right? Even if it's something silly, like folding laundry or going to check the mail, like just taking a little break from my situation. And then at least I can come back and don't feel like I'm going to fall asleep on my computer. Yeah. I mean, anything that requires brain power, I do it in the morning. Yeah. And then anything that doesn't really matter, I'll do in the afternoon. So you do email in the afternoon? That's what I'm hearing. No, I do email never. Never. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, go ahead. No, I, I just wanted to talk about like goals and like time frames. I think everyone gets hung up on like the number one question I always get asked is how soon can I start making money? Yes. And you, you never know when things are going to take off. And actually, I, I was going to do you consider me a hustler? Like, no, I, I feel like I don't hustle. Right. No. I feel like I don't. I, don't, I wouldn't say I wasn't. I was going to say you're lazy. You're definitely not lazy, but you're definitely not a hustler. Yeah. I mean, I I think I'm kind of lazy. I mean, my wife calls me lazy every now and then because I'll be sitting on the couch and like, you know, I, I won't want to get up sometimes. No one has ever called me lazy in my entire life. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, my parents actually used to call me lazy. Okay. Yeah. Um, That's got to be an Asian thing. Maybe that is an Asian thing, correct? Because I didn't I feel like is. I was lazy as a kid. I'm much lazier now. But I mean, when you tell me the stuff you did in, in middle school, in elementary school, compared to me, you were like, I was at SAT prep school in fourth grade. I was like, I was like catching lizards in the backyard. Like, <laughs> I don't think of you as a lazy child at all. Uh, so the reason why I'm telling you that is, is because whenever I have to get work done or whenever I add something to my life, I, I don't think about, oh my God, I gotta I got to work really hard on this. I just kind of factor that into my schedule and then it just becomes something that I do. Okay. Like like take this podcast. I mean, it's penciled in for us to record on Wednesdays mornings. Yeah. Right? And then, okay, great. I get to hang out with Tony for an hour on Wednesday mornings and that's just the way it's going to be. And then that way it's like I don't really consider it hustling at that point. No, I not Even though this you. is very difficult for me to do. It is. <laughs> exceptionally difficult for you to talk to me (laughs) once a week uh well and i think that's um this is where i see the biggest problem with people that are just getting started is that there's so many people out there and i like gary v like i think a lot of what he teaches is valuable because i think 
he does, you know, he does talk about following your passion from like the beginning, right? If you're into this, then, you know, hustle as a DJ on the side. If you want to be a DJ, like do it at night. Like I think that sort of thing is good because I feel like there are so many people that live their whole life wishing they had done something else and never do it. Um, so I think in that way, what he's saying is correct. But I think you're right. Like it, it sometimes is, is like overdone, right? Where it's just like, you got to be hustling seven days a week, getting your trading cards, selling your shoes, whatever it is, right? But I think what happens with people is they sort of buy into this. If I just work hard enough, if I just work enough hours, if I just get up an extra three hours every day, um, I'm going to see success. And then they find people who have seen success quickly, right? And the person I think about a lot on this is Aaron Chase. So I started Happy Housewife at the very beginning of 2008. And Aaron was one of my first readers. And she started $5 Dinner. So when she, she, she had a, like a, a mom blog website where she talked about her kids and stuff. And she told me, hey, I think I'm going to start this food site because I try to make every dinner for under $5. I was like, that's an amazing idea. I love it. You know, we had, you know, because she was a pretty loyal reader and she had done some like guest posting for me. So she started $5 dinners in August of 2008. Well, in November of 2008, she got noticed by Rachel Ray, the Rachel Ray show, which is a huge like morning program, right? So like here I had been blogging since 2006, like responding to every comment, you know, having emails with people like, you know, then I started happy, like switched over to Happy Housewife in 2008. You know, I'm like guest posting on people's blog, doing the link ups, you know, all that stuff, just busting my butt to like get people to notice me. And Aaron Chase gets noticed by Rachel Ray two and a half months after she starts $5 dinners and goes on Rachel Ray and her blog explodes. She gets a cookbook deal, like all this stuff within three months of starting blogging, right? Which I don't say this with, I don't say that with any jet, like good for her, right? Like I was, it was, it was very exciting. It was very exciting to see someone I cared about, like see crazy success right off the gate. Cause so many people don't see that. Right. And they put in hours and hours year after year. And then finally they, you know, it's like the ice cube, right? Finally it picks up. But what happens is, is that people who are new or want to start a food blog say, Oh, look at Aaron Chase. Like she started this blog in, in four months, she has a cookbook deal. Well, she would have never, well, one, she had a really, really clever idea during the recession, right? Like, so timing is everything. And then two, she got on Rachel Ray. Like, yeah, you know, I did an interview with Clark Howard. I think it was 2012. Like that, my traffic blew up and blew up for years over that, right? Like that, this traffic was sticky. They kept rerunning the episode. Like every year they reran it on Veterans Day for like five years. So every year on Veterans Day, my site would crash. I would forget that they would rerunning it. Um, So when you have things like that happen, you're going to see this crazy success that's completely abnormal. And so if you're new and you see that in someone else, like why is this person getting all this traffic or why does this person have all these followers or why does this person have 100,000 followers on Instagram? Oh, it's because Kim Kardashian mentioned them in something. Kim Kardashian shared their TikTok, whatever it is, right? And then they blow up, but it's not because they worked any harder than somebody else. It's just they got really lucky early on. And I think a lot of people don't take that into account when they're sort of in that grind and they don't understand that a lot of this is, it's like the lottery tickets. A lot of it is like her lottery ticket just came up before yours. That's all it is. You know what I hate? I hate social media. <laughs> I, I think the the problem with it is all that stuff is accessible. Like you get to see all this stuff. I, I Actually, Instagram is probably the worst offender. Yes. 
Like you look at Instagram and everywhere you look, you see beautiful pictures of people living it up. And then you want that stuff and you want it fast. Yes. And then, and then you work harder for this thing because you're jealous of, of what these other people have. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think when I first started blogging, I think Pat and I started the exact same year. Yeah, I think he did. And then I remember he took off, I think it was his, uh, it was some challenge that he did. I, actually, mm-hmm. I, I don't remember exactly one event that caused him to take off, but he was doing a lot better than I was yeah. uh, in the start. And I was like, huh, well, why can't I do that? I mean, we're similarly I'm educated. As, I'm as good looking as Pat. <laughs> why can't I? <laughs> uh, but, you know, the, it, you know, it just wasn't my time yet. It, was, it yeah. wasn't my time until like several years later, so. And I think what people don't see is, like, as someone who was friends with Aaron, I mean, during that time period, her husband was working full time. I don't know what he did exactly, but he was delivering pizzas at night to help pay the bills. Like, it wasn't like they were living this life of, you know, luxury. Uh, and I think people don't always see the other side of things, right? They just see the good parts, which, of course, I think, like, social media, you should share the good stuff, right? Yeah. But I think there's... You know, everything happens in its own time. I really believe that. Like, everything happens in its own time. And I think if you're just hustling, 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 you aren't ever able to step. If you feel like your time should be here and it's not, you might need to just take a step back and reevaluate some of the stuff you're doing it, it, without without comparing yourself to other people. Well, I think it's all, all about setting expectations. Yeah. Right. So if you go into something thinking that you're going to be successful in like three to six months and then that time passes, then you're going to give up probably, right? Yes. That's why whenever someone asks me how long it takes, and sure, I've had people make a lot of money in three months. I think when you first started e-commerce, wasn't that like your third or fourth month that you did 100K in a month? That was our sixth month, but your yeah. six months. But we Some, were doing yeah. 25K in the, after three months. So right. yeah, we, it was very quick. Right, so I'm very hesitant to ever tell that story because then they're like, oh, okay, great. So I can so yeah. I can do it in three months. Like even if I say like three three months to like two years, the only number that people think about is the three months. Like, okay, great. I can do it in three yeah. months. And then if you go into a class or a business or whatever expecting three months to get results and that three months passes, then you're like, oh my God, maybe maybe I'm not smart enough to do this. Maybe I'm doing something wrong. I have no idea what's going on. Th- that's why it's important to note that stuff just doesn't happen that quickly. I remember when I first launched our e-commerce store, we didn't get any sales for the for the first few weeks. And I was like, okay, well, I just wasted all this time. <laughs> I have all these hankies to cry into. <laughs> I know. I, at least I have something to cry into, I <laughs> guess. <laughs> My <Yeah>. own monogrammed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, your time will come. You just, you just got to stick with it. I mean, I, I think our first breakthrough, I, I actually still remember our first order. It's, it's from this guy named Troy Lilly. He bought something. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. And then it was is because we ran like Google AdWords ads for the first time. I mean, you just Yeah. Th- thing, things will just happen. You just have to stick with it. And then it just gradually grows. Like I don't know of very many businesses that have hockey stick growth right away. They're usually like just kind of coasting, 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 and then something happens. Like like Aaron, right? Rachel Ray yeah. is what vaulted her business. Yeah. Well, if you think about too, like because I know like my e-commerce story, and I've done a lot of podcasts on you know, my e-commerce stuff. But, and yes, I had very good success very early on. But I think some of the things that, one, I had a couple lucky breaks for sure. 
But the other thing to think about is, I mean, I started e-commerce in 2015. At that point, I had already been writing and doing marketing for what, eight or nine years? So it wasn't like I didn't know how to sell or write copy or understand SEO or understand branding or understand email marketing. Like I was an expert in all those things. I mean, not, I would say expert, might be pushing it, but like I was very competent and I wasn't learning everything from zero. Like, yes, the importing side of things and understanding Amazon FBA and that kind of stuff. Yes, it was all new to me, but selling was not new to me. And so it's not fair for me or for someone else to look at what I did and say, oh, well, why am I not having that success when it's like, well, I already knew how to write really good copy, right? Because I've yeah. been doing it for eight years. And there's a lot, you know, a lot of people like that. It reminds me, I had a plumber out to my house a couple weeks ago because I had some water lines that needed to be capped, but they, I have like weird piping. So, you know, I wanted to make sure like, I didn't want a water to explode in my wall. So the guy comes out, he takes a look at it. He has them capped in, it was probably like 25 minutes, right? 225 bucks, right, to do this. And I'm sure the, t- the supplies he used to cap were like PVC, like they're like 15 cents at Home Depot because I've bought a lot of them lately. And I was joking with a friend and I was like, yeah, it's like, you know, $20 for parts and time and, uh, you know, $200 for the expertise to know exactly how to do it, right? Like yeah. this guy's been a plumber for 30 years. He was older, so probably 30 years, like, I needed his, I didn't need him to physically cap the line. Like I knew how to do that. I needed his expertise on how to do it the right way so that I didn't have a leak. And that's what I was paying for. I wasn't paying for him to put his little fingers on the pipe and glue it on. Like anyone can do that. That reminds me of drywall. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I, I can do this. And then I ended up with this huge blob. <laughs> and then I, then I, so we pay a real drywall person and he, he accomplishes it in like 30 minutes and it's beautiful. Yeah. It's perfectly flat. Yeah. Yes, because he's been doing it for, you're paying for the 20 years of learning how to do drywall. Exactly. And I think that's the side of things that people don't see is that you don't know all the behind the scenes that people, the knowledge they've acquired, the relationships they've built uh, to be able to then be prepared for success when they get it. Yeah, I mean, actually, this is similar to like an email we got from a student recently where this person looked at existing sites on the internet and the content wasn't that great, but it was getting a lot of traffic. And the question was why? Well, chances are this p- person built up a lot of relationships. Maybe they have mm-hmm. a good social media, you know, audience, or they've just done a lot of networking where like larger companies have linked to that post or whatnot, and that's why it's successful. But you don't you can't see that stuff behind the scenes. Well, and I think that brings up a really good point. And what what I think is one of the biggest detriments of of the hustle culture is that for me and you relationships have been core, core components in our success, whether it's feedback from people like me meeting you, right, like opened up a whole new world of e-commerce for me that I knew that I literally knew nothing about. Like I literally thought Amazon sold everything themselves, which now I guess they do. But (laughs) back when I got started, they did. Back when I got started, little people could sell at Amazon (laughs) too. Um, but I had no idea that there was this whole world of people that owned little shops and sold stuff on. Like, I was like, if it doesn't come from Amazon, it doesn't exist to me. Uh, <laughs> but meeting you, like, opened a whole new world for me. I know for you, like, what was it, the mastermind you were at where they, like, ripped apart your site? Oh, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> you took it like a man. And then you... <laughs> but it caused you to make changes in your website. You took their feedback, which I know was hard. And you made a ton of changes to your site and you saw almost an immediate return 
or an improvement when you did that. Yes. And if you didn't have those relationships, then you wouldn't have necessarily, you you probably would have gotten to that point at some point in your business where you would have looked at the website and been like, okay, I need to change this or I need to change that. But you got it kind of like all at once from friends and it caused you, it, it helped you move to another level in your business that you probably wouldn't have gotten to as quick if you didn't have those relationships. I mean, the problem I have with hustle culture is that it kind of glamorizes everything. Yes. You know, like at least where I live, People sometimes brag, oh, yeah, I just put in like another all-nighter doing this and, and that sort of thing. I think when it comes to like my businesses, I'm I'm just thinking to myself, you know, a lot of what I do is just kind of sitting around. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like waiting. Yeah. yeah. Like I'll put out a piece of content on my blog and then it's just like a waiting game for it to marinate. Yeah. Same goes with any piece of content. Same when I launch a new product sometimes, right? Sometimes it out of the out of the gate, it doesn't do that great, but in the long term, it does fine. So, yeah, I mean, it's not glamorous. Just sitting here, you know, waiting for things to happen. Twiddling your thumbs, <laughs> waiting for the magic. I mean, a blog post sometimes takes three to six months for it to rank. Yeah, right. same with Pinterest, same with the Pinterest pin, same with a lot of different things. Um, it takes time. In fact, you know, I do e-commerce, I do email for an e-commerce brand, and we launched a product, I think it was in October, and I mean, the launch went well, but the sales to me are not, they didn't meet my expectations, uh, which I like, they were totally artificial. I had nothing to, I just like made up a number and I was like, so I made a comment to the owner and I said, oh, I just don't feel like this is doing very well. And she said, it will, it just takes time. Yeah. And, and I started thinking about that and I look, I started looking at her products and like when she launched certain things and like the sales over time and sure enough, like everything that she launched, there's always like a big push at launch and then it tapers off and then over the year, over 18 months, whatever, it grows. And and now some of these are like the best selling products, which when I looked at their early stats, they weren't, they weren't awful, but they weren't impressive. I mean, the other problem I have with just hustle culture in general is that it promotes short attention spans. Yeah. Like everyone's like, how soon can I do this? Uh, I had someone sign up for my free six day mini course and like, why, why are you giving this one per day? Just give them to me all at once. Give them to me all at once. <laughs> what are you going to do? Do all the st- all six days in one? Yeah, it's <laughs> not even possible. Yeah. So like, I feel like everyone is ADHD today. Maybe yes. it's because I'm old. But back in the good old days. We're like the old, back in the, people are going to start calling us boomers. <laughs> back in the good old days, I didn't expect everything to happen right away. Like I didn't have like on demand, you know, I didn't even have text messaging. We just had like these landlines and whatnot. When I met, like, okay, when I met you, do you remember this? You you were still paying per text. Oh, yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> so you would text me. I'd be like, oh my God, that's like another 10 Quit texting me, woman. <laughs> yeah. It's like three cents for your drivel. Um, no, but I think I think you're right. I mean, I grew up without internet, without computers. I didn't. We didn't have a computer until I think I was in high, maybe college, high school. Like I was definitely in the later. You probably had a computer before me. I did. Yeah, my dad used to design them. Yeah, plus, yeah, yeah. We were a regular middle class family. <laughs> we, we didn't even have a remote for our TV. Uh, oh, we didn't either. But, uh, yeah, you had to get up yeah, and flip the up. channel yourself. Okay, so my brother and sister would bully each other by like one one of them would be watching TV, the other one would walk through the room and just like spin the dial. <laughs> so like, so like the other one would have to get up and like readjust the rabbit ears and all that stuff. But um, just no, all, everyone that's like under thirty is like, what are you talking about? But no, like we didn't have internet. Then we got internet and it was dial up, 
And like, I can remember waiting for like other, you know, like other people had to get offline so that you could like get a connect. Like it would take extended periods of time to get an internet connection. And then God forbid someone call you and kick you off. <laughs> like, so I think people our age are a little bit more used to waiting for things or just having, I think, I think we just in general have more patience than like my children yeah. who, you know, literally if it's not Chick-fil-A level fast, they're just completely exasperated by the situation. I mean, here's the other thing. Like I get emails every single day, like 400 emails every day. And more than half of them are people wanting to like partner with me or something like that. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, like <laughs> I think relationships take some time to develop. So how about I'll like, stop emailing. I'll stop emailing you. Like, how about let's have a talk or something, or you know, first or or yeah. something like some small exchange before we like jump right into the partnership thing. <laughs> I mean, things just everything just takes time to progress. Yeah, and I think the the worst part about the hustle culture is that for people who latch onto it really seriously, I've never seen anybody not just crash and burn. And I've seen so many people crash. I mean, you and I both have in the internet space, like the online space, just like relationships exploding, um, personal, like just personal health, right? Um, you know, addiction, like everything, it, like just it drives people to like really negative behaviors because it's like this, it's, it reminds me like the gerbil on the wheel, right? Like the frantic, like just they don't, and they don't know how to get off, right? Because they're just running, running, running. They're not going anywhere. And I think it's not sustainable. And so people then have to do things to cope with the fact that they're sort of on this hamster wheel that they can't, they feel like they can't get off of because they've created these artificial goals, which I want you to talk about just a little bit. Because when you told me this a while back that you don't set goals because they're artificial, I, like my mind was blown. Really? Actually, you know, uh, I didn't come up with that on my own, actually. It was based on a conversation I had with my friend Dana Janzimas. Oh, I love her. And my favorite. We uh, like I don't think either of us had really thought about it, but when we talked about it at Seller Summit, I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I'm getting fights in the, with my wife over this. I mean, and I don't even miss the money. I mean, <laughs> you know, we made that extra money, but you know, it just kind of goes in the account. Yeah, and you don't think about it anymore. I don't know. Maybe it's because I don't spend that much money to begin with. I mean, it's it's more like well, a byproduct. Well, I think here's what I think happens is that when you get in that hustle mentality, I mean, your first goal, like, and I think this is, I think these things are very reasonable. Like we've met people all the time, like our friend Deacon, he, I think his first goal was like to pay, he wanted to do like the side hustle to pay off debt. And then he wanted to be able to like make his house payment. Like those are very reasonable goals. Like you want to make enough money to replace your day job so that you can do this full time. Like that's great. But once you've done that, so let's just say you make $100,000 a year in your day job, you create a business, you're now making $100,000 a year, you quit your day job. That's usually not enough for people. Then it's like, well, now I need to make $200,000 a year. Now I need to make $300,000 a year. Well, why? Why do you need to make $300,000 a year? Is it because there's something, you know, you you have a medical procedure that you have to pay for or, you know, there's something like pressing in your life that's really important? Or is it just because you have this mentality that like 100 isn't enough, 200 isn't enough, 300 isn't enough? Because I can, I can tell you that when I was young, like early 20s, and I was married to a, an enlisted guy in the military, right? And they make no money. I mean, you qualify for like uh, WIC and, you know, like it's it's not like a livable wage. It probably is today, but it wasn't back then. And I can remember one week 
Like we had $7 and like 60 some cents to pay for groceries for the week. Oh my goodness. Which literally bought us like three boxes of tuna helper and like without the tuna um, and like, you know, a half gallon of milk or something like that. And I can remember thinking to myself, if we just made $100,000 a year, our life would be perfect. Like we could afford everything. We would never have any problems. We would. And of course, this is in like 1993. So that, that was like a pretty good. It's still a good amount of money today. Like most people can live off 100,000. You should be able to live off $100,000 unless you live where you unless live. Unless you live where I live. Yeah. Yeah. If you're in Wisconsin, you should be able to live off of $100,000 a year. Um, and then one year we made $100,000, right? I was like doing the taxes and I saw that like that was the pay, right? Over, and this is years later, right? He had like moved up in the ranks and stuff like that. And I remember thinking my life is not any better. Like I don't feel like I have any more money. I don't like because you always, you know, you tend to increase your expenses and your spending with the money you make, right? Mm -hmm. Like you get a better job. So you buy a bigger house, you get a better car, you know, you go on a vacation, things like that. And so I can remember like sitting there and having this reality hit me that like, this is what I thought would be the be all end all. And I feel like crap, right? It, it's literally not fulfilling at all to me. And it was, it's kind of the same thing as your goals. Like, why is it a, like, what's the point of the goal? Like, I thought this was like the be all end all. And then I got there and I was like, and I'm not criticized, like $100,000 is a lot of money. Yeah. But I realized for me, it was never about that. It was, a, for me, it was about not feeling like I wasn't going to be able to eat. Right? right. Or not feeling like I couldn't get my kids shoes, things like that. Like to me, that was what was comfortable. And I could do that at $50,000 a year. Right. So I had already surpassed that feeling of like, I'm not worried about paying for something. Um, Because I'm pretty frugal like you. Right. And that's when I kind of realized that I didn't think about it the way you talked about with the goals. But I did realize that like you're never going to be happy if you keep thinking like there's another level that's going to make you happy. And on time frames, I I would say like no matter how hard you work or how hard you hustle, sometimes things just happen on their own. You, You can't really force it. Or will things to happen just because you want it so bad? It's it's like that lottery ticket analogy. Sometimes it's just your number hasn't been called just yet. And I think just in the grand scheme of things, like I, I know, like when I work on my businesses or or the blog, I sometimes drink my own Kool Aid. But like, there's so much more going on out there than what you're working on, and it, it's just a matter of adjusting your perspective and and relaxing a little bit. I mean. Let's say you've been working hard, super hard, and you feel like you deserve something. I mean, don't get down on yourself. Just try to find ways to enjoy the journey. So that's why, like, even though I, I work hard, like, I always try to incorporate things that I like into my day. And then I always, you, you, you've heard me say this many times, but I just believe in making forward progress every day. I mean, it doesn't have to be a mm-hmm. ton of progress. As long as you're moving forward, pick a pace that you can maintain and and try not to obsess over why you aren't doing as well as someone else. In fact, I would just uninstall Instagram altogether. I mean, th- I mean that's like my one piece of advice. Because if you keep <laughs> browsing that stuff, you're just going to get disappointed every time. There's always going to be someone better than you. So, you know, just instead put your head down, keep working, and one day your, your day is just going to come. And then when it finally does, celebrate. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Now, for more information about this episode, go to ProfitableAudience.com slash podcast, where we list all of the tools and resources mentioned in our show notes. And if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. 
When you write us a review, it not only makes our day, but it helps keep this podcast up in the ranks so other people can use this information, find the show more easily, and get some awesome business advice. Leaving a review is by far the best way to support the show. And please tell your friends because the greatest compliment that you can give us is to provide a referral to someone else, either in person or to share it on the web. And if you're interested in building your own profitable audience, subscribe to our free six-day mini course where we walk you through the exact steps needed to find your niche, build a website, grab email subscribers, and monetize your content. You can sign up at profitableaudience.com free. Thanks for listening.